to come. I realize today is not Mission Sunday. I'm going to have them pass out offering envelopes. You just pray about what you would ha- uh, the Lord would have you to give today. And I want to receive a special love offering for this ministry. And um, that's a ministry, as I said, that you can invest in and know that when you do, the funds are handled with integrity. They're not the kind that are getting rich and making lots of money. I can promise you that. I've been there. And um, so, I mean, the reason I have to say that, it's embarrassing that I even have to, is because every once in a while you hear about excesses in the, the media, and it seems like that's the only ones that anybody ever wants to talk about on the news. I wish they'd go and interview these folk. I wish you'd go to India and see what they're doing. And um, like I said, many of the people that you saw there, I've met. I've ordained some of those pastors. I've trained many of those people. And this is what you are involved in. You're touching the world from right here at Christian Tabernacle. And I want to thank you for that because that's what the gospel of the kingdom is all about. And someone say amen. And so at the end of the service, when I call you forward, we're not going to receive an offering right now. You just pray about what God wants you to give. And at the end of the service, when we come forward for prayer, I want you to just lay the, the offering on the altar. And first of all, just raise your right hand and point it over toward Benny and say, we bless you in Jesus' name. Would you do that in that ministry? Amen. But again, welcome to the house of God today. I'm so happy that you're here. And I want to get immediately into the word of the Lord. Um, before I do, uh, you know, Benny, shared, I, I share my messages, uh, my notes with many of my spiritual sons. It blesses me to know, and he always apologizes, kind of half apologizes, and, you know, he's taking my, no, you're not taking them, I'm giving them to you. That means they're yours now. I learned a long time ago that if uh, you take from one source, it's called plagiarism. You take from several, it's called research. <laughs> Amen. That's the way that works. But when a father has something, gives it to his son, you know, he's, it, it, his son's not taking anything that doesn't belong to him. It's already his son's. And um, so a number of my spiritual sons I'm mentoring in ministry, and Benny is developing a pulpit ministry, and we're going to have him come back and preach for us. See if he does as good with my stuff as I do with my stuff. Amen. No, I'm, I'm joking. He's got his own stuff. But I've been talking this year about kingdom keys to an abundant life. How to tap into that so that you can experience, say it with me, much love, many blessings, and great favor for as long as you live. One of the symptoms of the day in which we live right now is fear. Uncertainty, the Bible said, would be a common emotion and a common attitude in the last days. Uncertainty is both an emotion and an attitude. You don't know what's going to happen, so your attitude is affected. You're uncertain, and that affects your emotions. Fear has torment. The enemy works in fear. Have you noticed the proliferation of movies and things in the, in the theaters over these last couple of three years, several years, that have to do with things that are either demonic or horrifying, you know, the thing, the creature, whatever, I realize right now we're approaching holiday, the holiday of, of, of Halloween, and uh, we call it uh, Hallelujah uh, Day instead of uh, Halloween Day, and we believe in taking it back from the devil, so we, um, we, don't, we don't give the enemy that recognition, but there, uh, there's a lot of movies at this time of the year uh, that, as one would imagine, that are focused upon things that are scary and, and horrifying, but really that goes on all year long these days. 
You have the Twilight Saga and all of this stuff. You ever seen so many movies about vampires in all of your life? I mean, I haven't seen them, but I know they're out there. I, I don't watch that stuff. I tried watching one one time, and I said, I'd rather watch paint dry than watch one of these things. Here. Amen. I've been to the real Count Dracula's place. I mean, I've seen the real castle. I was just in Romania, Transylvania, Romania, where all this stuff came from. His castle is still there on the side of a hill. I've been there. Amen. Past it as we were going. I was just returning the other day from a conference I was preaching. Um, one of my sons and I, he's from Germany, and we were there. And Andrew was, uh, had been with us and had just flown home. But why such a focus on fear? It's because people are uncertain. And that has crept into the church. And many believers these days are even afraid about what's going to happen. I'm here to tell you emphatically you do not need to live in fear. You can live with the assurance of knowing that for the rest of your life, you're going to experience much love, many blessings, and great favor. That's your portion from God. The text we've been using, I'm not going to read them all because we've been showing them Sunday after Sunday, but in Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 22, let me just simply tell you that the synopsis of these verses is this. Focus on the Word of God because it'll fix whatever's broken in your life. Give it preeminence. And let it be the ultimate authority in your life. It says in verse 22 that the word is health to all their flesh. Those who read it, it's health to their flesh. And as I pointed out, the Hebrew word for health literally is marpe, which means medicine as in a prescription. And as you know, and as I pointed out last week, for medicine to be effective, and many of you are in the medical industry, you know this. And many of you take perhaps some kind of medication. For medicine to be effective, it's got to be need-specific. It's got to be designed for a particular need. You don't just say, okay, I have cancer, so I can take this medicine and fix it. No. You don't give insulin to someone who has a heart condition and think that's going to fix it. And neither do you give Avalide or Norvasc, which are blood pressure medications, to someone, say, that has a lung condition, thinking that's going to fix it. No. These medicines were designed to be need-specific. They target a particular need. Throughout the Word of God, you will find there are many prescriptions, and these prescriptions are need-specific. Whatever is broken or needy in your life can be fixed by finding the appropriate places in God's Word that address these needs. It is the medicine, the morphe, the prescription that will fix your life. Now, what has happened in the last number of years, very quickly, is that, as I've said, there's been an unprecedented and unrelenting assault against the credibility of the Word of God. So in these last number of weeks, what I've done is I've been talking in this series about how to turn doubts into faith. And we've pointed out that it is very possible that as a believer, you have been affected by all of these these doubts that arise as a result of the criticisms of the Bible and not perhaps don't even know that you've been affected. This man on the side of the mountain in Mark chapter 9 is so striking in terms of his parallel to who we are and where we may be and that when he met Jesus, he said, Lord, please help this distraught and affected boy of mine. My son is possessed of a demonic spirit that's trying to kill him. And the Lord said, if you believe all things are possible. And he cried out in agony, Lord, I believe, but I realize I also have some unbelief. 
And that's where many of us have found ourselves. And so I've talked about things like, is there really a God? And I've addressed it from a scientific perspective, a philosophical perspective, and all these other issues we've addressed. Are those people out there writing all these books right or wrong? And we've discovered they're wrong. Creation or evolution was the next question. Which is the truth about how you were, how you got here? Because that's really important. And then is the Bible really accurate? We've shown you that it is even to the point of showing you chariot wheels. They found in the Red Sea where Pharaoh's army crossed over chasing Moses and the children of Israel. Validating the biblical account. And that's only the tip of the, the iceberg. I've shown you so many other things as well. Now I'm talking about something that I feel like is is equally important, and that is, why are you here? Last week, I gave you this, I showed you this incredible video, Lou Giglio. Just put that up on the screen, if you would, because so many of you are asking for that. That was emailed out in my notes, but in case you didn't get it, there it is. You can jot it down. Showing that how everything has been created, and everything releases sound when it's in harmony, and that that harmony produces a melody that actually is worship to God. That was one of the most moving things I've ever seen in my life. I still can't watch it without tears forming in my eyes. Today, I want to talk to you about 12 immutable laws of destiny. 12 immutable laws of destiny. Why did God create us? This is one of life's most important questions, and understanding and finding the answer to this question is what is driving most people today. Back during the 60s and 70s, there was an expression, I've got to find myself. You, you ever hear that? People have gone to the Himalayas and Hollywood artists are becoming Buddhist and all that. People trying to find meaning in life. That really is an important need. And this is what I want to say today. That God has a road map for you to go from where you are right now to finding destiny. And here is why it's so important and so critical. If there is a God, and this is where I'm going with this. If there is a God... And if you were created and didn't evolve, and if his word is true, do you think that you're just here passing time? Or is it possible he had a plan for your life? You know why I know he has a plan for your life? Because God is a God of infinite detail. I'll tell you how precise he is in his attention to detail. He's meticulous to the point of being beyond our ability to understand just how precise he is. Every hair on your head is numbered according to the word of God. Put it up there. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 10, verse number 30. Every hair on your head is numbered. Now granted, folks, that gets easier for some of us as time goes on. <laughs> Not with me. I'm fortunate in that regard. Thank God for good, <laughs> good genetics, you know, or whatever. I'm not going to tell any bad hair jokes or anything like that, okay? Ball jokes. No, I'm not going to do that. But let me just simply say. That if God, think of it, seven billion people and he knows how many hairs are on every one of their head, do you really believe for one minute that he didn't have a plan for you being here? If before you were born, he knew how many hairs were even going to be on your head, don't, he, don't you think he knows what you're doing here? Seems to me pretty conclusive that he is uh, planning for you to have a destiny if you're in this room today. One of the most important things that you can ever learn in life is that our natural universe operates according to principles that we call laws. This is extremely important. 
God set up the universe this way. Now, some aspects of science, some scientists, many of them do agree with what I just said. Others of them simply say these laws of nature are the result of nature. Well, I don't believe that as I've already told you. God designed and programmed our universe like a computer programmer designed software for a computer. It operates a certain way because that's the way that he wants it to operate and knows that in that way it will operate best. Among these laws are the laws of gravity, the four laws of thermodynamics, the seven natural laws of the universe, which include relativity, polarity, the law of vibration, the law of cause and effect, etc. Many different natural laws that we are all affected by. Now, here's the point that you need to understand. These laws regulate the functions of the world that we live in. You don't break these laws. If you ignore them, they break you. For example, you don't break the law of gravity. If you step off of one of the buildings downtown and say, I'm going to break the law of gravity, they will not be saying, look, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. They're going to be saying, look, it's a pancake. Because you don't break the law. You understand? And for that very reason, the fact that these laws are so infinitely dependable, if you come to understand them, you can actually make them work for you to achieve your objectives and your goals. I'll give you a couple examples of that. Look, for example, at a 747. I fly on airplanes constantly, and I'm always amazed that these things can get off the ground. I know I've been in school. I've studied all of that about the aerodynamic design and the flaps and all of that and lift and But every time a 747 lumbers down the runway and gets up in the air, I am amazed. Amen. And not long ago, I was in Johannesburg preaching in a conference there, and they had several of the new A380s on the ground, on the tarmac. Do you know what an A380 is? It's the biggest airplane in the world, twice the size of a 747. Twice the size. It can hold 700 or more passengers, depending upon how the seating is configured. Now, frankly, I don't want to get on an airplane with 700 other passengers. You know, 400 is enough in a 747. That's a lot of people and one metal flying cube. But uh, aeronautical engineers have learned to make the laws of the universe work for them, and they design the wing of that aircraft in such a way that resistance and lift all operate when these flaps are functioning correctly and cause that huge monster weighing many, many tons to lift off the runway at a certain degree of thrust and and propulsion. Now, they've got mathematical formulas for all of that. Another very simple one that many of us use, you move furniture, things like this, you learn the principle of a lever and and, and a pivot. And uh, you learn how to use all, or a fulcrum. You learn how to move heavy things around that are heavier than you. As it was Archimedes, the Greek philosopher and uh, mathematician, many, many years ago, 200 years before Christ, who said this. He said, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it, and I shall move the world. He understood that there are principles, and once you learn them and master them, you can make them work for you. This is really what functioning in today's world is all about. However, many people do not realize that just like there are a set of natural laws that govern the operation of the physical realm, there are also laws that govern the operation of the spiritual dimension. 
Amen. In fact, if you want to find somebody who is successful but unhappy on the inside, this is why they're unhappy. They're successful because they've learned how to master the laws in this dimension. They're unhappy because they haven't been made to work in harmony with the laws that govern the spiritual dimension. They may not even acknowledge the existence of a spiritual realm. Until you cause both of these to come into harmony in your life, you can neither be successful nor happy. You may be one or the other, but you won't be both. They both have to be made to work in your life appropriately. Amen. And these laws, I might point out, work whether you're saved or unsaved. You need to know this. These laws of gravity do not just apply to saved folk. Unsaved person steps off the building, he's going to fall too. You hear what I'm saying? These laws are set in place whether you're a believer or not a believer. And concerning this matter that there is a, a, a spiritual dimension governed by laws, it's even bigger than this earthly realm. That is to say, you're more spirit than you are body. By that, I'm quoting also from the words of Albert Einstein, a slight paraphrase, you can look it up. He said, the older he became, the more he became aware of the fact that man is more spiritual than he is physical. That is to say, you're here these few short years, but there is an infinite world of the spirit dimension. And these few years you're here, you're working within the laws that you come to understand through probably either experience or having received a formal education. They're always discovering new applications of these laws. The spiritual dimension, its laws are found in the Bible. These laws, and you may not even recognize them as such, these laws are actually quite familiar. But because of this, this negative ad campaign that has been done by the enemy against the Bible, many people have taken the wrong position when it comes to the Word of God. They think it's all about constricting my movement, inhibiting my ability to express who I am. It's about being punitive. God is harsh and mean. No, none of those things are really why we have the Bible. This book is the roadmap that helps you understand the spirit dimension. Just like you have a textbook in school that helps you understand physics, this is the textbook that helps you understand the spirit world. And your people are worried and saying, if I go to church, I'm going to have to do this and that. And they look at it so negative when the truth of the matter is, there's nothing negative about what we're talking about here today. Laws exist in principles in the Bible such as, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. That's a spiritual law. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Another spiritual principle, you reap what you sow. The Beatitudes are all about spiritual principles. When Jesus came, he astonished people because he gave them insight into the spirit world and the principles that made it operate. Here's what is important. Just like you can learn the laws of this dimension and make them work for you, you can learn the laws of that dimension and make them work for you as well. You don't do that by controlling them. You do that by aligning yourself with them. You don't bend them. You bend you. Amen. Somebody in the building say hallelujah here today. The Beatitudes such as blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Spiritual principle. 
Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Spiritual principle. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Spiritual principle. Jesus is telling you that if you do good to others, it will make others do good back to you. You control the spiritual outcome. You control what you receive by what you're giving there. Amen. And you can make people treat you well that don't even intend to treat you well. Well, I wish somebody in the building would say amen. You can make folk that are haters today be lovers tomorrow. Amen. Yes, you can. By treating them well. Amen. It might even get you into heaven treating people right. Did you know that? Amen. Obeying the word of God and doing what the Bible says. There was a guy that appeared before St. Peter at the pearly gates and St. Peter was looking down the list and I found your name, but I've got to qualify your admission here. Have you ever done anything of particular merit? Now, this is not theologically correct, so it's not intended to be. So Peter, St. Peter asked him, have you done anything that is, that is of particular merit? And the guy said, well, I can think of one thing. I was, I was driving through on a trip through the Black Hills in South Dakota and uh, some time ago, and, and uh, I, I saw some bikers, a, a biker gang. They had stopped a woman, and they were harassing her. I don't know what she did, if she made one of them angry, if she was driving by or what. And they were harassing her, and I stopped, and I rolled up my shirt sleeves, and I got out, and I said, you leave that poor woman alone. And St. Peter said, that's pretty impressive, a whole biker gang. And the man said, yeah. And St. Peter said, when did you do that? The man said, oh, about two minutes ago. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You do good, you might just get to heaven someday. Uh, you stand a better chance of it that way than you will by treating everybody wrong. Amen. There are natural and spiritual laws, and you can make them work for you as well. Within the category that we define as spiritual laws or principles, there are also laws that specifically pertain to your destiny. And so these, were, these laws, again, work whether you're saved or not. I frequently have people sometimes, uh, they, will add, they will pose it one way and yet another way. And uh, in one fashion or another, this is what they're asking. How is it that some people whose lives are not where they need to be are still experiencing such favor? I can tell you it's very simple. The answer to that is very, very plain and easy to understand. They tapped into an understanding of a spiritual law, and it works whether you're saved or unsaved. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. And so just because you, you, you're not saved doesn't mean that you can't be blessed. I know folk that are blessed that are not saved because they're treating folk right. Now, you understand what I'm talking about? The blessed are the poor. It didn't say blessed are the poor saved folk. Uh, and that was a revelation for some of you right there. Uh huh. Bless everybody that understands these principles. They don't just work for the saved or the unsaved. God makes it to rain on the just as well as the unjust. Oh, somebody in the building ought to say amen. And in case you don't know it, the sun rises on the unjust just like it does on the just. That is to say, when the sun comes up, you're not the only one that sees it. I've known of people that have been close to God, that have found things through revelation in their relationship with God, that drifted away, that continue to be used in certain ways, and people ask why. It's because they tapped into an understanding of that spiritual dimension and the principles that apply it. And just like gravity continues to work, whether you're saved or unsaved, so do these principles. Now watch it. Some of you may disagree with it, but you explain to me. 
Why Samson could tear the walls off of the gates off of a city and climb a hill knowing what he was doing at that time. Come on now. And so there are 12 immutable laws of destiny that I want to talk about today. And, and before I go from there, I, can, I, I, I just want to throw this out and give you a little assignment. What about that lying prophet that time? That God couldn't even use to deliver a word to his own people and had to import a prophet from outside? And that, that prophet, you remember, he came in from outside and the lion prophet went to him in the Bible and said the Lord changed his mind, said for you to eat and drink here. Uh-huh, you remember that? Remember that? Uh-huh, God had told the man, don't eat and drink, don't eat and drink while you're there. But the lion prophet said, God changed his mind, said you, you're to come to my house and eat and drink. And when he did, God said, you've disobeyed me. And he left and a lion killed him. Mm. How did that, li- oh, Lord have mercy. And then look who it was that, that I don't, I'm not even going there. That's enough of that story. I could spend the rest of the day preaching about that. I'm getting off track here. Twelve immutable laws of destiny. I won't conclude them all today. I'm only going to go through the first six. First of all, let's explain immutable. Immutable means not subject or susceptible to change or variation in form or quality or nature. Something that cannot be changed is not changeable and is changeless. If you can learn these immutable laws, these unchangeable laws, you can have a destiny. Amen. You can make them work for you. Number one, first immutable law. Learn this and learn it well. Everything God made has a purpose. Somebody in the building shout amen this morning. I want to say that emphatically. I've already addressed it, so I can't spend any time there. God does what he does with purpose in mind. We might not discern or understand the purpose, but be sure he has a purpose for everything he does. Some folk are always jumping from one thing to the next. The latest thrill, the latest fad, getting on the latest bandwagon. My old country grandmother used to say it like this. Some people run around. I don't mean to offend the sensibilities of our sophisticated and refined folk, but she said some folk run around like a chicken with its head cut off. Amen. Some of you were raised in the country. You know what I'm talking about too. Amen. But the simple truth of the matter is simply this. God doesn't operate that way. God knows what he's going to do before he ever does it. I wish I had an amen. Everything he does, he does with purpose. Immutable law number two. Are you ready? Since everything that God does, he does with purpose. Since he made you, that means you have a purpose. That purpose is what we call destiny. The, oh, this blows my mind. The idea that one person empowered by God and acting alone can change the world is one of the most powerful principles you can live by. One person empowered by God Acting alone can literally change the world. You say, is that really true? Oh, yeah. Ask Abraham. One man empowered by God acted alone and produced a nation from which we received our Messiah. Tell somebody you can change the world. Would you do that? Question is, how bad do you want to? You don't believe that one person acting alone can change the world? Look at Philip who in the book of Acts went into the desert and preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. One man acting alone. Oh, Lord, have mercy. 
empowered by God. He didn't have a choir. He didn't have ushers. He didn't have a ladies ministry. He didn't have a Sunday school ministry going on at his kids' church. He didn't have anything like that happening. No orchestra, one man, empowered by God, preached to an Ethiopian eunuch who was on his way back to Ethiopia, converted him and baptized him on the spot. And the man went to Ethiopia and converted his nation to Christianity from paganism. How... Powerful was that? So powerful that in the 16th century, when missionaries started going to Africa, the one country they didn't have to go to was Ethiopia because it was already Christian from when the Ethiopian eunuch got back home after being ministered to by Philip. One man empowered by God. I'm talking to somebody in this building right now that is a world changer. Come on, somebody give him some praise. You're waiting for an army, and God's waiting for you. Amen. You have a destiny, and that destiny already is decided. Ephesians 2 and 10. Look at this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When did God prepare them? Say it, in, come on, say it, in, when did God prepare them? In advance, before God formed you in your mother's belly. He told Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1 and 5, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Before you were created, God already saw this good stuff, planned it, already put it together. It's not you trying to make destiny happen. You need to pedal a little faster and catch up with a destiny that's already there. Woo! It's not up to you. God put it together. God's the one that dreamed it up. He's planned your works from the beginning. How do I know that? Acts 15 and 18. Known unto God are all of his works from the beginning of the world. And God doesn't have any second thoughts either and say, gee, I wish I'd thought of that. Wish I'd done it a little differently. This is new information. If I'd known that back then, I would have planned this a little differently now. No, no, no. Number one, you are created by God. Everything God creates has a purpose. So that means number two, you have a purpose that we call destiny. Immutable principle number three, when God created you, are you ready? Tell somebody, get ready. Would you do that? When God created you, he equipped you with the gifts and released the resources in the heavenlies that you must have to fulfill that destiny. When? When he created you, they were released. Look, how many of you have ever gone out to the car because you've got to make a quick trip down to the store to get something for the little lady or for the house or for yourself? You know what I'm talking about? Lady, ladies, have you ever gone and got to the car and realized you forgot your purse or your keys? Men, have you ever done that? Trust me, when God walks out the door, he's already got his keys and his wallet in his hand. That is, God doesn't take the first step unless he's already got the resources that are there to make it happen. You're not hearing what I'm talking about. Because whatever God calls you to do, the resources have already been released in the heavens. He already has released the giftings inside of you as well. The situation is that many of us are looking for gifts outside that we already have on the inside that we have not discovered yet. 
Yesterday, there was this incredible family outing here. And they concluded, Sister Carolyn Robertson put it together with, with a talent show. And everyone I've heard, I came in a little bit late. Everyone was saying, boy, there's such incredible talent. And talking about our young people and our, our children. Every one of you are born with gifts. Hear me in the balcony. God released it in you when you were born. You may not have found it yet, but it's in there somewhere. What you need to do is say, where are you? You need to start looking around on the inside. The resources you need, they're not coming from somebody else down the road. God's already released them in the heavenlies. Amen. Which brings us to point number four. Everything God gives, immutable law number four, everything God gives, he gives in seed form. That's our problem. Because you see, we don't understand Genesis 1. And when you learn these laws, you can align yourself with them. You try to bend them your way, they don't bend. You wait 15, 20, 30 years, that law still has not changed because it's been in place for centuries. Since the beginning of creation, God programmed these laws into the very foundation of the universe. In Genesis 1, everything God made, he made to bring forth seed after its own kind. What does it bring forth? Seed. He created the original garden, and then what did he do? Everything after that, every creature he made, reproduces not full-grown trees, not full-grown animals, but creates seed. If you want an oak tree, somebody tell me what you got to plant. Come on. You got to plant what? Uh, let me hear it. An acorn. If you want an ear of corn, you've got to plant what? A kernel of corn. If you want a baby... A couple has got to conceive seed. Why? Because everything God gives, he gives in seed form. Your gifting is in seed form. Your resources. Mm, could I preach on that? The question is not, do you have the seed? The question is, what are you doing with the seed? Come on, somebody in the building shout yes today. When God got ready to produce a Savior, what did he do? Did he send a Savior? No, he sent a seed. When God decided to assign you your destiny, he gave you the seeds that will, you will need to achieve that destiny. Not only the seeds in terms of giftings, but the seeds in terms of the resources. Mm. The difference here, you need to write this down. This will affect your life as long as you live if you remember what I'm going to say. The difference between a great life and an average or a mediocre life is what someone does with their seeds. Immutable law number one, everything God made or created has purpose. Immutable law number two, since he made you, you have purpose, and that purpose is your destiny. Immutable law number three, when God created you, he equipped you with gifts and released the resources in the heavenlies to achieve that destiny. Number four, when he equipped you with gifts and released those resources, he did so in seed form. Number five, it is your responsibility to both develop and grow those gifts and resources that God has given you in seed form. That's the problem. We're looking for a big bank account. God gives us a few dollars. That's the seed. 
Oh, hear what I'm talking about right now? God, we're looking for to be CEO of a company and God gives us a job sweeping floors in the very place we're going to someday manage. Oh Lord, like Tony Robbins, we're a janitor in the very building someday we're going to own. You hear what I'm talking about? This is the way God operates. How do I know that? Because when God planted a garden, what did he do? He put Adam and Eve there to take care of the seed. To raise what was growing in the garden until it reached maturation and maturity. You've got to develop the gifts that are inside of you. The problem is not that you don't have gifts. The problem may be one of two things. You might not yet have discovered them. And number two, you may not have worked to develop them just yet. Mm, I'm going to explain why next week. Tell somebody you're bigger than you think you are. Would you do that right now? Tell somebody you got stuff inside of you you hadn't even found out about yet. Oh, I wish I, I had some help here right now. Lord, have mercy. It's your responsibility to grow and develop those gifts. You do this. He's already released them. We're praying for God to do what he wants us to do. Uh-huh. He's already prepared your works in the future. It's up to you to grow into them. Amen. And I've said this before, and sometimes, I, I think sometimes people don't understand prayer. Prayer is not, uh, this is the honest to God truth. One time I was in a prayer, all-night prayer meeting. How many of y'all ever been in all-night prayer meetings? Oh, Lord have mercy. There's some strange things that can be prayed for between 1.30 and 3.30 in the morning. Uh, you're, you're half asleep and words come out of your mouth you don't even know coming out of your mouth. One time, the guy over across from me was, oh, God, bless Budweiser. I have no idea what he was thinking at that moment. I'm cursing Budweiser. He's blessing Budweiser. Amen. But that's the kind of stuff that happens. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever you're in the middle of, 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 of a midnight prayer meeting or one, a session at 1 or 2.30 in the morning, People don't always understand prayer. Prayer is not supposed to be this laborious task that is so boring that we, we, we die while we're doing it. I've got to say this in close. Prayer is partnering with God to manifest in this dimension what he has already released in that dimension. We become his agent on earth. He's already set up the bank account. We get to write, oh, you didn't hear what I said. We get to write the check. As long as he has pre-signed the check and already okayed it, we counter, oh. Y'all don't know about countersigning checks, do y'all? That's what we do. We countersign God's check. Am I saying that it won't happen? It just won't happen for you, but it's going to happen. You don't pray, it's going to happen. It just won't be for you. It'll be for somebody else that comes along and prays. What do I mean by that? Everything God has released, you've got to pray it into this realm. God told Abraham, your descendants will be in Egypt for 400 years. And at the end of 400 years, what did God do? He met Moses in a burning bush and told Moses, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go for I have heard their cry. Though God set a time limit, Israel had to pray. Elijah, 
I'm going to close heaven for three years. That's specific. It has a point of beginning and a point of ending. But at the end of three years, Elijah put his head between his knees and prayed seven times until a cloud the size of a man's hand arose out of the Mediterranean. What am I talking about? I'm telling you that when the church partners with God in prayer, we bring into this dimension what he's already released in that one. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Amen. Even though God has released them, it is your responsibility to pray them into this dimension. So the first immutable law is everything God does, He does with purpose. The second is, since He made you, you were born with purpose. The third is, when He created you, He released the gifts and the resources in the heavenlies that you need to fulfill your purpose. Number four, when He released them, He gave them to you in seed form. And number five, it is your responsibility to grow them. That's what makes the difference between somebody who's a powerful soloist and somebody who barely goes alone that nobody wants to hear. Uh Uh-uh. You know the one I'm talking about. Amen. One brings the house down. The other doesn't. They could have had the very same gift. Only one worked to develop it. The other didn't. Ah, now I need a better amen than that. You say, but I've tried singing. Well, then that wasn't your gift. You're like me. You need to find another one. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Amen. I mean, not everybody can be Whitney Houston, baby. Amen. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. Number six. let, Let me just say this. Let me just say this. What do I mean by develop that gift? You might need to go back to school, finish your education. You hear what I'm talking about? You might need to work with such excellence that when the boss is looking to promote somebody, he promotes you instead of the guy that's been doing better than you. You got to give God an opportunity. Amen. Again, I'm sorry to quote my grandmother so much, y'all, but she used to say, boy, put some legs on those prayers. Y'all ever heard that one before? Come on, let me hear some, some folk. And finally, number six. When you achieve the purpose for which God created you, three things will always happen. Number one, you will experience inner fulfillment and peace and satisfaction like you have never known in your life. That's where so many miss it. Because so many people conjure and dream up their own vision for their future. And when they get there, they're still empty on the inside. But when you do what God wants you to do, and trust me, I'm talking to you as someone who's been there, done that, got the t-shirt, the bag of potato chips, and the 15-cent Coke. Amen. Hear what I'm talking to you about right now. You do what you want to do, and you think that's going to make you happy, but it won't satisfy like doing what God wants you to do. When you're in the middle of the will of God, it brings a sense of fulfillment and completeness like, completeness like, completeness like, like nothing you've ever done before. Secondly, not only whenever you achieve the purposes of God will you be personally satisfied and happy, but kingdom purposes and objectives are furthered. Why? Because it's about one word, influence. Because when you become successful with your gift, it gives you influence to speak to people I can't speak to. Now, 
An NFL player can't speak to everybody, but he speaks to some. And if he's really good, he can speak. And people, a certain element, will listen. A rap musician who is at the top of his game can speak and some will listen, not everybody. A politician can speak and some will listen, but not everyone. The point is, is whenever you have developed your gift, whatever that is, it creates for you audience by giving you influence. And so all I can say, baby, is that it's all about the kingdom. That's who it's about. So number one, you become satisfied and fulfilled. Number two, the kingdom gets advanced. And number three, you bring him glory and honor. Stand with me across the building and come join me right now. Bring your gifts and lay them on the platform. The one that you've prayed over for Alpha Ministries. Every penny goes directly to Alpha 